Hey everyone, this is John Gunter with the Eagle Community Church of Christ. So thankful that you found our podcast. This week we're talking about chapter 17 of the story. And in this chapter, uh, we find the Israelites are being taken away into exile. Many people were taken away from their homes and even their country. And so we wrestle with the question of, you know, how do you deal with a situation when maybe it's your decisions come back to haunt you? Or maybe like some of these people complained, these weren't even our decisions. These were the decisions of our, our family, our ancestors. But God is still with them, even though people have been unfaithful and I think we learn a lot, a lot about God during this. My, my son kept saying, this sounds like it's repeating, Dad, and it is. God is still faithful every single day. So hope you hope you find this helpful in your daily walk. Come and see us sometime. We are uh, just a few weeks out again from the end of our, our spring session of the story. Again, we'll end with uh, chapter 19 on the 21st. I uh, hope it's been a blessing to you. I hope as we've gone through this, it's, uh, I've had a lot of conversations uh, uh, around the Old Testament that we've been through. Some of you, it's been a long time to read some of these stories, hasn't it? And uh, I hope that the idea of upper story and lower story has really been helpful. It is for me in, uh, in thinking about this. Uh, this week's chapter is kind of, as Heath said in class, all over the place, uh, scripturally. And so uh, we're in Ezekiel, we're in Lamentations, we're in what, Chronicles, uh, and also there's one of Jeremiah, everywhere. Today for the lesson, we're going we're gonna to focus in on, um, on some of Jeremiah's life and also uh, some of what Ezekiel said. So the scripture reading this morning from Lamentations 5, verses 1 through 22. Remember, Lord, what has happened to us. Look and see our disgrace. Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, our homes to foreigners. We have become fatherless. Our mothers are widows. We must buy the water we drink. Our wood can be had only at a price. Those who pursue us are at our heels. We are weary and find no rest. We submitted to Egypt and Assyria to get enough bread. Our ancestors sinned and are no more, but we bear their punishment. (laughs) Slaves rule over us. And there is no one to free us from their hands. We get our bread at the risk of our lives because of the sword in the desert. Our skin is hot as an oven, feverish from hunger. Women have been violated in Zion and virgins in the towns of Judah. Princes have been hung up by their hands. Elders are shown no respect. Young men toil at the millstones. Boys stagger under loads of wood. The elders are gone from the city gate. The young men have stopped their music. Joy is gone from our hearts. Our dancing has turned to mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. Because of this, our hearts are faint. Because of these things, our eyes grow dim for Mount Zion, which lies desolate with jackals prowling over it. You, Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures from generation to generation. Why do you always forget us? Why do you forsake us so long? Restore us to yourself, Lord, that we may return. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. What an uplifting passage this morning. (laughs) Jeremiah is known as the the weeping prophet. In Lamentation, the five chapters of Lamentations are really the five poems of Jeremiah. 
And oh, did he have plenty to be upset about, plenty to lament. At this point, he understands that everyone's been taken into captivity. I don't know how you fall on this, but what happens is they come into the land and they take all the important people. So people of of high birth, people that had positions, people who were skilled in different things. And so I don't know if you're left, you go, yay, I didn't know and I wasn't smart enough, I didn't do enough, I'm still here, or I'm taken off to captivity, man, how important I must be. I don't think there's a winning solution there, is there? As people watch friends and, and family members and all of these just leave the area or they were taken away. Jeremiah laments and laments not only for himself but for his people. One of the things we see in Scripture is I hope, uh, I hope more people will come to Bible class because we have some great conversation there. But what you see here is not just a personal look, an individual ideal but a concern not only for myself and what's going on in my life, but a concern for my people. Kind of like as we talk about the body of Christ, that we are one and we should be concerned that, you know, because I'm a foot, I'm not concerned with what the hand's doing or what the hand's going through. That's not the case. But Jeremiah weeps and he is the weeping prophet, not for only for himself, but for his people. And and what we see in scripture is kind of repetitive and actually I was reminded last night how much kids pick up when you don't think they're, they're looking, they're, they're listening and all these things. So part of my routine every week to be able to do this without notes, I, I start getting a little anxiety Saturday evening. And Katie knows this because if we're out of town, it gets, it gets really high, like I need to get home. I need to get back. I need to, need to do some study. So I will study on Saturday night and refresh and Sunday morning as well. And I had the audio book of the story playing through the chapter again. And Logan has got a Nintendo Switch, which is just a little gaming console. He's sitting there playing. He's laying in the floor at my feet. And he looks up and he says, Daddy, is that just repeating? And I said, what do you mean, son? He said, it keeps saying he did evil in the eyes of God. And I said, no, son, it does not repeat, but it keeps happening, doesn't it? And so what we see in the story are are over and over these repetitions of, I am deciding I am not going to follow God. And so at some point, it gets to where we are here in the story where something has to happen, that they have decided they're not going to follow God, but you don't do that without any consequences, do you? That doesn't happen and just... Everything goes well. Now, it's an interesting thought because we want God to be patient with us, do we not? I do. Anybody else? Like, I want God to be patient with me. And, And so God is patient. We see that. And we see that there are years and years and decades, centuries that God is really putting up with his people, turning away from him. But at some point, something has to happen. And so we're kind of mixed between what Jeremiah is saying here, our ancestors sinned, and now we're paying for it. And we go, well, how is that justice? But then we think about it, well, we want God to have patience with me. So every time I have a a, a bad thought or I do something I know I'm not supposed to, I don't want God, you know, striking lightning. Do you? 
I want him to be long-suffering as he says he is. I want him to love me like a father who, who, who yes, things happen, but, but he puts up with me, he loves me, doesn't throw me out of the family, doesn't kill me just because something happened. And so eventually our consequences, we have consequences for our decisions or even others' decisions. And again, if you look at this and think, well, that's not fair, well, it's not fair. But at some point, whether we're making these decisions as a church or as a family or even as ourselves, those decisions come home to roost, don't they? And what I've tried to encourage you before in some lessons is to think about how my decisions right now impact my family going forward because we are so focused. Life keeps coming at us so fast. We pursue so many things that we get so focused on the here and now that we forget that these little decisions, feel like little decisions right now are going to affect us and generations forward. Again, uh, part of the tournament that uh, Evan was in, their third game of the tournament was at 9.15 this morning. And I know some of you fight this battle all the time. What do I do with sports? And part of our, our decision is to say he's available on Saturday, and if we can get there after Sunday, if they're playing again this afternoon, we'll do it. We'll make the drive. We'll pay that, that cost, but we're not going to be there this morning because and, and my son loves soccer. I know y'all, some of you are looking at me like, yeah, I've had that kid, or I was that kid, right? He, Evan's on, on YouTube watching stuff. He's, I don't even know why he decided to like soccer. I, I didn't grow up with anybody I knew playing soccer. And now you go to the park on Saturdays, and that's, man, that is taken over, and he loves it. But I've got to look my nine-year-old in the eyes and say, listen, soccer is not as important as worshiping God. And I'm not saying soccer's bad or anything. You understand. But at some point, I've got to make a decision as a dad that may hurt me in the moment, may make him mad, and, and he's been so gracious. He, he looks at me and says, yeah, that makes sense. And that helps dad's heart, I'll tell you that right now. But we can make other decisions, couldn't we? And maybe if we made another decision, we went to all those soccer things that were in the way it, you know, later in his life, he's a, a great example of a Christian. He does all of the things the right way. We don't know, do we? But we've got to take all of those decisions that we can make very seriously. Because as Jeremiah laments over his people, it is not just because of his people in the moment that have made that decision. It is, again, the people before him. So we ask ourselves, what kind of decisions are we making that are going to impact us going forward. I love the time we're in. Love's a strong word. Sometimes I love the time we're in as a church. I was telling Terry the other day, I think, I think it won't be long. We'll be in a building, and we'll look back and we'll say, man, I miss the days when we were jumping around from place to place on Sundays. Like right now, it seems like an inconvenience sometimes. But I think there'll be a point in the future where we look back and be like, man, that was awesome. We did some things. We, we mixed it up. You know, maybe one day when we're in, a, we're in a rut and it doesn't feel like things are going right, but we think, man, that was a cool time. But what decisions are we making that are going to impact the future? 
Jeremiah laments this. It sounds pretty bleak. Just as kind of Elijah did in the past as we've studied, Jeremiah kind of looks and says, God, where are you? Why are you so far away from us? Because that's what it feels like. And remember, Jeremiah utters the very words that are some of my favorite words in Scripture taken out of context. I have plans to prosper you, right? Some churches take that and run with it every Sunday. Yours is out there. You just reach up and get it. God wants to give you wealth and gifts and all these things. And he does, but not the way they preach it. But Jeremiah is sitting through this. Jeremiah is having to tell the people, oh, by the way, God is going to take care of this. And so those decisions that, that we're making right now matter as well. Because even though you're living this life and you're, you feel like you're in this valley, God is going to take care of this. If we back up just a couple of poems to Lamentations chapter 3, look at, look at this, verse 19 through 26. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. That's a different way of looking at the situation, isn't it? Yeah, I think sometimes we go through both, don't we? Sometimes it's woe is me, I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, and sometimes it's, man, I need to remember. Do you see the difference in the lower story and what I'm experiencing right now? And also, it seems like Jeremiah right now has in this verse, has zoomed out a little bit. And, and that's the, the good thing about this study as we go through the Old Testament again, reminding us of the, the bigger story, that we're not just so focused right here, but we see God is faithful, that God is going to be there for you. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, reminding himself maybe that we are not consumed because God loves us. Sometimes it doesn't feel like that if you're going through something or experiencing something or you know, something's happened to someone in your family. But God's compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, almost a praise unto God. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of of the Lord. And again, if you're reading this with an individualistic mindset, how hard is it for, for Jeremiah to say these words that God is good and he is good to those who have hope in him when all of the people are in exile? How do you say those words? Because it looks like God has given up on them, right? And God actually says, I'm giving you over to these people because of the decisions you have made. But Jeremiah reminds, God is faithful. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Skipping over to Ezekiel. Ezekiel is a fantastic book. I think most of the time when you hear Ezekiel read, we're, we're talking uh, maybe funerals and things like that. It's an interesting, uh, interesting book. But listen to this. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? 
And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. That's probably the best answer anyone has ever given God right there. I'm just going to leave that up to you, Lord. You know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound and the bones came together, bone to bone, and John Gunter ran away. <laughs> Ezekiel says, I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. The feeling of it's all lost, right? Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says, My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. In this moment, what God has to show Ezekiel that even in our darkest times, even when we look around and believe all hope is lost, God is faithful and he is powerful and he is able to bring life to dry bones. What you thought was dead and gone, God said, it is not over yet. And God can take what looks like is dead and bring life. And I think, again, as we, we look at this, there's a very literal sense to it, but I think there's also a, a sense of looking at our own lives and the feelings that we have, the, the, the times in our lives where, again, we feel like God is far from us, that I can't get that back. I can't get that feeling. I don't feel God is present in my life. And God says, I can do that. I can make it happen. I wish we would have sang Dry Bones this one. That would have been a good one. I don't know if they'd have sung with you as much, though. Probably not. But what a story. There are a lot of things the prophets went through, and I don't. this might be one of the weirdest ones right there. Can you imagine if God told you that? Prophesy to these dead bones. The way we're trained to think we would probably look at that and say, well, there is no life in these things. There's no chance these things come back, right? We want to explain everything. Well, science says these things are gone. We're not kind of in the grave, Lord. These are dry, those dry bones, not recently dead. These are gone. And that's the way they felt, that we are the dry bones. God, you have left us. And again, like Jeremiah said, not only have you left us, but you've left us because of something we didn't do, but our ancestors did. 
But God says, you prophesy to these bones, and I can't imagine what happens when they start rattling around. (laughs) I can't imagine all the excuses I would have said to get out of that. But as Ezekiel watches this go on, does this seem like too fantastic to even grasp? It does. Let's be honest, right? I love what my nine-year-old son said, and I've told you guys this. He just looks at me sometimes, and he goes, Dad, this is hard to, hard to believe. And he's kind of concerned about that, you know? I'm going, no, it's okay, son. <laughs> Unless we were there, it'd be hard to believe. And even if we were, would you tell anybody about it? I'd like to not be known as the crazy guy who saw the bones come to life, right? But in this powerful image, again, Ezekiel has shown that all is never lost. I told you guys this summer we're going to start a series on the Holy Spirit. Did you catch that part of the verse? And I'm going to put my spirit into you. That remember, as, as we look at the whole of Scripture, that, that God created Eden, and he wanted to walk there with Adam and Eve, and they messed it up. And so he said, well, I'm going to do something else. And then God says, well, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll tabernacle. I'll be in the tabernacle with you. And they messed it up. And he said, well, okay, build me a temple, and I'll, I'll live in that. And you can, you know, that, that will be my place among you. And so we keep messing it up, and God keeps saying, I'm going to make it right somehow. And what God previews right here is, is the ultimate end is, Not only am I going to try to walk with you, I'm going to send my spirit to live inside of you. That you don't have to feel like I'm far from you. And sometimes we do, even though we've been gifted with the spirit of God. But what we need to do is remind ourselves of all these stories, of the big picture, the upper story. It's the same thing we say about history. Those who do not know history are doomed to what? Have you seen that in Scripture so far? I think most of my conversations with you guys have been, I can't believe they kept messing up so much. And I would imagine, I don't know what the state of everyone who has died is right now, where they are, if they're able to look at us and see us, and you know, is there a chasm where they can see us doing things or whatever? But I can only imagine them looking down, I'm not going to throw you into this, on John Gunter and saying, I can't believe he keeps messing up so much. But it is God's patience. It is God's love. It is his compassion for us that allows us to keep walking and keep making these mistakes. And when we see this in Scripture, this is not an invitation again to, I'm going to go live life any way I want because God loves me and he'll just accept me back. But our decisions matter. They have consequences. How am I going to live so that Not only about me, again, there are no Lone Ranger Christians. I don't care if you're here by yourself this morning, but everything you do matters. Not only to you, but to this church. Not only to you, but to your family and all those you come into contact with. And so if we took that more seriously, I think we would see some amazing things here. I love this church. I've been impressed by this church. I don't know a lot of churches that could uh, do all the things that we have done and everybody just not walk out because we love our seats in our church. I want to know where my seat is. 
We haven't had a bunch of nesting here. Y'all know that? You know how rare that is? Walk in, you know, minister walk in during the week into the into the building and say, well, that's where sister so-and-so because there's her, her back pillow and her, her cover and her stool, right? And we hope she's not the kind that if somebody sits in that seat, she didn't run them off, right? But we have a spirit here of we want to make this work. We want to impact this community. Some of you guys weren't used to driving so far, even to Mont Bellevue, right? Some of you did the driving over to Baytown. You're like, yeah, now it's y'all's turn, okay? But others, uh, now you're making the drive, and you're making things work. And it, it takes a spirit of togetherness, and I, I want to make this work to, to come together. And what I want you to know is that that matters to me. That I am impacted, I am energized, I am, I just love you guys because seeing you just even on a Sunday coming together here helps, helps the bones not be dry, helps give life and not take it away. So don't ever think as we go out in the world that those decisions that, well, I'll do this or my family will do this is only limited to your family or to you. Because we walk together as a body of Christ. I pray that, that we're not in a situation like this. I think, uh, again, Heath covered it perfectly in, uh, in class. I actually leaned over to Katie and I said, he's all over my sermon. He needs to quit. <laughs> but I think sometimes we, we feel so woe is me and things aren't good that we forget how bad, just how far down this was. And how much faith it would take in this moment to say, I still trust in God when I don't even have my country with me. We get so focused on the physical and man, I don't want to lose this or that or the other that we forget about the saving of our souls and the decision that makes, what that means to us and our family. But there's no better time than right now in the present to say, I'm going to start walking with God. Or maybe that I said I was walking with God and that hasn't happened and I need to make that right today. Bring life to those dry bones. Because the story of Scripture that you see over and over is that even when people do evil, even when people intentionally walk away from God, God is trying to do everything to get them back. And if that's you this morning, that God's yelling your name, that he's trying to get your attention, he's trying to put things in your your way to remind you of that. Don't leave here with your ears plugged. Don't leave here with your eyes closed. We love to pray with you and start that walk or continue that walk on from this point today. Jordan's got a song of invitation. We love to, to pray with you. If you haven't been baptized, we'd love to, to baptize you and, and watch you begin that walk today. Would you come as we stand and sing?